0: Up for
1: another time in God's presence, that was a very, very beautiful song. Uh, we ended with let's just be sure everything is sorted, okay? Welcome,
0: everybody. I think
1: uh, some people's internet are not helping matters, okay? Bless God. Are we live on Facebook yet? Not yet. We Bless God for another time in his presence. Thank God for the gift of life. Thank God uh, for this week. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, Our Facebook audience just give us a bit of time.
0: I think Facebook is messing up. Okay,
1: so we're talk. We're gonna be looking at the book of Micah, uh, and it's a, it's a, it's an interesting book. Um, personally, I'm excited about this um, because we look at uh, it. Also, strikes a balance between the hyper grace. Um, um, school of thoughts that has been ravaging the church. Uh, So we're going to get right into that. Let's just ensure that they're hearing us here on Facebook.
0: Okay. I think we should be good now on
1: Facebook. Yes. Bless God. Thank you very much, everyone that has joined us, either on Facebook, or on Zoom, or um, listen to the podcast. Let's just say a word of prayers quickly as we go into the study. Father, we thank you are your God that answers prayers. Thank you for being our God. We ask as we go into your study tonight that your presence will be with us. Your grace will speak to us. You open our eyes and our hearts. I will learn at your feet. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, prayed. Amen. Okay, so let's go. The book of Micah. Uh, So uh, interesting book. Uh, I'll try and and, as and get as quick. I mean, get through it as quickly as possible. But there are loads of lessons to learn in the book. uh, well, to 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 start with, I, Isaiah and Micah are likely uh, comrades or compatriots. Uh, they, they, they are contemporaries. They wrote almost at the same time. Uh, Micah wrote uh, during the king during the reigns of King Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah Hezekiah was a very good king. Um, Ahaz was a very bad king. Uh, but we'll get into that in a bit. i will just touch it in a bit. Um, then we should also one of the reasons why scholars believe that um, Isaiah and and, um, and Micah were contemporaries was, Micah chapter two and Isaiah chapter four are almost saying the same thing. Um, almost, we can we can say they are word for word, maybe one copied the other or the Holy Spirit inspired them, but uh, we don't have evidence of, of either copying the other. So we'll go with the fact that, yes, it was the Holy Spirit confirming the same message through two witnesses. Um, so, um, and we should also know that there are some things that Micah said that are now quoted, I mean, all over the world. There are some things, uh, if you've been to a carol service ever, uh, you, will have, you will have heard Micah's um uh, 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 some of Micah's scriptures or some of Micah's writings read. Um, okay, so let's go to the memory scripture, and that's the theme. That's the central theme of this book: memory scriptures. Isaiah chapter, I mean Micah chapter six, verse eight. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good, and what what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly. To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Simple, that's the whole essence of this whole thing. Do justly, love mercy and walk humbly with your God. That's the summary, that's the theme of the book. That's a summary of even what God requires or, uh, of, of us to do in, 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 in as human beings or in our in our walk with Him. Okay, so let's go into the the introduction. Micah means who is with the Lord. Um, it was from a village, uh, we need to understand that the village of uh, Moraseth Gath, about thirty kilometers from Jerusalem. And I'll before the end of the of the lesson, we'll look at how significant this is. Uh how, how far be how close or how far it is from Jerusalem. We should understand that Isaiah was writing from Jerusalem. Both of them were in Judah, the southern kingdom. Isaiah was writing from Jerusalem while um, uh, 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 Micah was writing from a village. Isaiah was born into royalty, he was, he, was, he was roaming with the palace. I mean, so however, Micah was also a national priest. In fact, he wrote not just to to the locality, but to Judah, even to the Northern Kingdom, to Israel, and then globally to the universe. So even though his his background was from a very humble background, he was able to to also influence more than his his immediate environment and even globally. So your background, like like people normally say, your background shouldn't put your back on the ground. Okay, so um, at the time of his ministry, uh, oppression of the poor by the rich was, was was the order of the day. And the Lord used his prophecy to deal with the sins of a morally unjust society. So he lived among the poor. He dwelt among the poor, unlike Isaiah, who was among the ruling class and was still... Able to to to, to preach and, and and speak against what those guys were doing at that time. So um, no matter where we are, there's no one that is better than the other. Uh, that's why I always say, don't let, don't let anyone use uh, emotional blackmail on you, uh, that you have to be poor, you have to be from a very humble background to, to be able to say some truth. Uh, Isaiah was was part of the aristocrats in his days. Um, Same as Ossia. Ossia was also a contemporary of Isaiah uh, and and Micah. However, Ossia was living in the Northern Kingdom. That's the the nation of Israel now. Um, we've, We've discussed several times the difference between the Northern and the Southern Kingdom. So I won't go into that. So, um, Micah promised during the crucial years surrounding the tragic fall of Israel to the Assyrian Empire, 722 BC, an event he also predicted. In in this book's introduction, Micah stated that he prophesied during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah in Judah, though he didn't mention the simultaneous strings of dishonorable kings that finished. The Northern Kingdom of Israel. So, um, okay, before we go into the the discussion that was written in our manual, I'll just share a few things. Number one, uh, there are three things that that Micah wrote uh, wrote against. The first is idolatry. Um, idolatry is people at this time were insulting God. They were insulting god um that's idolatry secondly put, he wrote against immorality immorality people indulged themselves people indulged themselves and then injustice people injured each other they, they, they did uh, evil wrongly against each other and uh, I, I coming to look at it at this society this is our, 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 our current. Uh, uh, society and country. This looks so so familiar. This looks like our own norm. I mean, injustice, idolatry. People insulted God. I, I heard uh, from a colleague today that there was there's someone who is even very well to do. I mean, seemingly successful young man who calls himself God. So people just insult God in this our society. Immorality, people indulge themselves; they can just do anything. And then injustice, people injure each other. That's that's one of the that's one of the very terrible things that human beings can inflict so much pain on another human being. And those are the three, uh, uh, those are the three major themes that this this is prophecy revolved around. And uh, like I said at the introduction, Micah's prophecy. Was tribal, then national, then universal. Okay. Um, before we also go into that, uh, I want to I want to d- uh, discuss the outline of the of the book itself. Although it's not written in our manual, so let's just uh, follow with me. Um, the outline of the book itself, uh, chapters one to three, talks about crime and punishment. The places, the people, who are the things that, and and when I talk about the places, we should understand that geography and 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 history, geography and history is very important to interpreting the Bible, to interpreting to doing a proper exegesis, a proper um, uh, uh, analysis uh, of 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 the Bible, uh, and why? Because the Bible is filled with geography. And the Bible is filled with history, uh, unlike other, some other religious books. You may you may get to read some other religious books, and uh, uh, you won't. I mean, you just find literature, or, or or how best am I going to put it now? So, but Bible is actually uh, uh, Bible is actually literary history. So those are the things that um, uh, uh, we should know about. Uh, so the history uh, is very important. The, uh, uh, the things that were happening around this time uh, is very important. So uh, the places and the people, who are these people? what are their cultures? Uh, and, and if you don't if you don't have this background sorted, we're going to we're going to, it, our interpretation will be wrong. So uh, he talked about the crime and problem of those people who are the Israel and Judah. uh, And then peace and security, chapters 4 and 5, talks about the kingdom after Babylon, the kingdom of Jerusalem after Babylon. So it gave a hope that, oh, they will be restored. And then the king from Bethlehem. And, uh, uh, okay, let's just uh, do a little bit bit of uh, exegesis on Bethlehem. Bethlehem in Hebrew means house of bread. And then bread of life came out from Bethlehem. But uh, yes, that's that's very significant. But something or equally or more, even more significant, is that Bethlehem is about 30 kilometers from Jerusalem, like I like read at the in, in, introduction. Now, Bethlehem is known for, for, for uh, sheep rearing. They rear loads of sheep. But they don't slaughter, they don't kill. The, it's not. It's it's a what's this thing? Was um animal husbandry now, uh, ranching. Yeah, let's say it's a ranching town, but they don't kill the animals there. They don't. It's not a meat factory. That's uh, uh, although the Arabic uh, meaning or the Arabic interpretation of Bethlehem means is house of meat. but Hebrew interpretation. Is a house of bread because there are loads of grains. Uh, there are loads of grains in 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 they grow a lot of grains as well in 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 Bethlehem and move it to the economic capital uh, of uh, and the capital uh, Jerusalem to make bread. But more importantly, they take the sheep. That's where most of the sheep that are supplied to be killed in the temple come from. So Bethlehem. Have been supplying the sacrificial lamb at the temple, and then the once and for all sacrificial lamb now came uh, from Bethlehem itself. So it's very, very significant. And um, who made us to know specifically that Bethlehem is a, is a big deal uh, in in the in the in the in the story of the Messiah uh, was Micah, and then uh, look at how God works um it took a heathen king to call a census for uh for Joseph and Mary to be in Bethlehem at the time Jesus was going to born uh, Jesus was going to come so um God the uh, ultimate planner knows the end from the beginning knows how to plan our lives praise the lord so um <clears throat> That's, then the third part, I have, not, I have not, third part, chapter six to seven, talks about justice and mercy. That's talks about the courts and the covenants. Time uh, will not permit us to look at that, the courts, because Micah now stood like a, an advocate for the people, uh, but time will not permit us to go into that. Uh, so that's chapter six to seven. Now let's look at the courts and the covenants. Um, and this will this will strike a balance between the hyper grace uh, preachers and then the people that are also hyper judgment preachers. Now, what is judgments or justice, and what is mercy? Remember our memory scripture, Micah chapter six verse eight says that what is uh, he has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you to do justly? to love mercy. What is justice? Justice is giving people what they deserve. Justice is giving people
0: what they deserve. Mercy is giving people
1: what they don't deserve. Mercy is giving people what they don't deserve. So, on one hand, God is going to, God wants wants people to be to be dealt with or punished, rewarded for what they deserve. On the other hand, is a merciful God He doesn't want people, uh, I mean, mercy will always come in. So where do we strike the balance? Where does the cross come in? Now, if the cross are not coming, if there was no cross, there will not be a need to pardon or to be merciful on the sinner. Now, an, an innocent man is willing to take, uh, am I going to say it now? An innocent man is willing to die for the sins he didn't, he didn't commit. Now, that satisfies God's just judgment, the justice side of God. And it's also because God, and let's look at it as parents. Do, we, do, you, do you give your child what they deserve in terms of punishment or you have mercy on them? If you have mercy on them, are you not spoiling them if you are too harsh giving them judgment all the time, so even as parents, it takes us a, a, a whole lot to balance between the two. But God, if God had not, if God, if they had not been cross, God will always be a just God. He will always be hammering us, and it will be there will be judgment on us always. Now, if the cross was was, was, was I mean, if God was just to be merciful and there's no cross, then it will 100% be merciful. There's no justification. Nobody has paid for, for anything. So the cross is the balance. The cross uh, 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 strikes the balance between the judge, the just side of God and the merciful side of God. So that is where the the the, the 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 cross comes comes in god can now pardon the innocent punish the innocent and pardon the sinners that is what god is now able to do praise the lord so that's how the book uh is is divided literally okay since we are almost done i think we can actually go to nahum today let me just read the conversation in um micah uh, because we missed one week, so I've been looking for an opportunity to to gain ground. The book orbits around two significant prophecies prophecies or themes: the judgment of Israel and Judah, the restoration of God's people in the millennial kingdom. And it also pointed that uh, uh, Micah saw even beyond rapture; he saw the millennial reign of Christ. Uh, these two judgments and restoration in turn inspire fear and hope. Two basic ideas set out in the final part of the book with a scene like a courtroom in which people stand trial before their creator for their apostasy. And what is apostasy? Apostasy is when you've known God and you start denying uh, God. Uh, And and this is very terrible. Uh, when when, uh, when, When you start joking with sacred things, when you start making fun, uh with sacred uh it is very we should be careful uh please we should be careful not to not to lead into apostasy these are some of the same that the holy that jesus said has sinned against the holy spirit apostasy is those who have known the way who know the truth and it starts um They start mocking the truth. They start mocking the Holy Spirit. It's a very terrible sin. May we not be found in that in Jesus' name. Uh, Then number three, Micah prophetically and sternly condemned the rich and the leaders who took advantage of the poor, callously abusing the less privileged and perpetuated injustice in the society. It predicts destruction of both Samaria and Judah. But concludes with a message of hope and restoration for the faithful remnant. Okay, now and I also need to uh, put this up there. the 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 early part, the short term part of of his prophecies of his book was about the judgment. The the I mean, the, I mean, it was so harsh on them. But the later part, the future part was about restoration, was about hope, was about God bringing them back. And that's the same thing with prophecies. Prophecies are not, in the short term, they may look um, harsh. They may look, well, oh, you may not be able to, to hold on to, I mean, to to uh, uh, take what you're going through. But in the long run, it's it's always to draw you back to God it's always for a better cause, a greater purpose. Uh, 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 That's prophecy, generally. Uh, God will help us in Jesus' name. Uh, Micah provides one of the most significant Old Testament prophecies of Jesus Christ's birth, most especially his birthplace of Bethlehem and to his eternal nature some 700 years before Christ was born. It also specifies a very articulate picture of the world's future. When the Prince of Peace reign, what would characterize this future millennial reign? The presence of many nations living peacefully and securely with one another and coming to Jerusalem to worship and reigning, to worship the reigning King, Jesus himself. Uh, let me shake the table a little bit. I know we're live on the internet. Uh, why i i i did a bit of research and um uh if you if you if you if you've known about um the united nations uh especially their new york office they have a prayer room where people just come in uh and pray and um the, the, the they have a uh, maybe those of us in, in, on the on the church WhatsApp group I will share that video with you. Um, they have a cube or something like that um, inside the prayer room, with some chairs, and that's the that's a room. Uh, United Nations or people that believe in God there go go in to pray for peace of the nations, uh, and um, they said, according to one of the uh, reviews, although it's, a, it's, a, it's it's not open to public, I don't know how that guy even got cameras into that place, uh, but um, he, he said that that cube or altar, not uh, just a cube there, uh, is a representation of prayers to the unknown God, And if you remember in church, I think two weeks ago, I was talking about Sunday school, I went to Sunday school, and we talked about, um, I I promised you another video. I'm sorry, I I should send that tonight. The video of of, uh, the opening ceremony of Commonwealth Games, 2022 Commonwealth Games. I don't know if anybody has seen that video. It was practically the worship of Baal. Now, the promise of God is that nations will go to Jerusalem to pray at the millennial reign? That's what's going to happen when Jesus comes, after rapture, after the tribulation period, when he comes to establish his kingdom here on earth. Jerusalem will be where we go uh, to worship. Praise the Lord. So, um, okay, let's just just wrap up. Micah, and then, yes, I think we can do Nahum today. Um, Beautiful. Micah was a faithful servant of God, regardless of his situation. Uh, Please raise your hand if you have questions while I'm concluding on Micah. Micah was a faithful servant of God, regardless of his situation, and that he lived among corrupt people. Do we have any excuse not to represent God's holiness in this corrupt generation? No excuse, my, brother and sisters, my brothers and sisters. Much of what Micah condemned, condemns among Israel and Judah involve their injustice towards the less privileged, unjust business dealings, robbery, mistreating of women and children, and a government that lived in luxury at the expense of its people. Does that describe what happens in your home, church, workplace, business, etc.? Is there any trace of injustice in your life This is a call for repentance. This is a call for repentance. Uh, And let's be resolute to live as as God desires to do justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's all that God requires of us. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Do you have questions or contributions before we go to Nahum? I'm so glad that we're able to come back to speed.
0: Questions and contributions? Okay.
1: Nahum. Memory scripture is Nahum chapter 1 verse 7. It says, the Lord is good, a strong hold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. Uh, trusting in God. Uh, okay the Lord is good in the day of trouble. And I was listening to a sermon just before the beginning of Bible study, it's a life It's actually a life program by Dr. David Obuili. And they were just in the parts that I, 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 I met before I stopped talking about um, uh, how Christians should react or respond to trouble. Uh, and he was saying a number of things that we should rejoice. We shouldn't do as if this oh, is just meeting me for the we should rejoice and we are persecuted uh, for the sake of good Or this, this this scripture is telling us the, the Lord is good so when we are going through issues and troubles, first and foremost settle the fact that the Lord is good don't come and say, ah, why why God, why is this happening to me first, settle in your mind and accept it that the Lord is good then is a strong gold in the day of trouble. is our strong gold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. Another thing is, we shouldn't be, we can't deceive God. Well, inside of you, you know you don't trust in God. God knows. So let's put 100% of our trust in God. Introduction. Um, who has the man now? Just read the introduction for us. Sophia, do you have the manual?
0: Or Fumi? No, sir. No, sir. Fumi, do you have the manual?
1: You are muted.
2: Okay. Introduction. What comes to your mind when you discover God as loving and at the same time the God of retribution? Who doesn't let go sin? Or can God once pardon and still punish thereafter? The answer for both is emphatically yes. Sin must be punished. Rules and boundaries must be respected to enjoy God's maximum. Over a period, over 100 years after Jonah preached to Nineveh, God sent another prophet, now, to pronounce its doom. The book of Noun de- demonstrates how false the view is that might make that might make right. The great Assyrian empire, of which Nineveh was the capital, was boasted sorry boasted its might and wealth, but it did not acknowledge its sin nor listen to God. The fall of such proud nation was inevitable, as the text of noun reveals. The book of Nahum is the 7th of the 12 books of the minor prophet. This brief prophetic book was written by a prophet whose name means comforter or consolation. We know nothing else about Naum except that it came from el the location of which is uncertain. He was a prophet in Judah since the northern kingdom Israel had already been conquered by the Assyrians. And his people exile. 2 Kings 15:29, 2nd Kings 17, 6. He was a contemporary of Zephaniah, Abakok, and Jeremiah, 2nd Kings 17,
1: 23. Okay, uh, lovely introduction. Um we could see uh and, and is is a little bit similar to what we said in um in Micah. God is both just and merciful. Uh, and he, he exhibits both uh, uh, currently, or it is possible for him to exhibit both. The people that are on the extreme right will tell you that, oh, God is merciful. He has forgiven all our sins, He sees us through the prism of the lens of mercy uh there's nothing the same we we are even going to commit in 20 years time god has already forgiven the people on the extreme right will tell you that ah god is wicked god i mean god is is is, is just he, he not not let go and what i do tell people is um it takes maturity to be balanced uh is only for the mature uh now what do i mean You can tell a five-year-old that it's good to give. You just taught them in church. It's good to give. When you give to people, God will give you back. And the five-year-old just take that plan and sinker, gets back home from church, calls all their neighbors to come and take everything in his mommy's fridge and kitchen. Uh, They've just taught us that it's good to give. give, Let's give this one so that uh, God will give us back. Is, is that the, the behavior of that child in 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 I mean is not necessarily bad, but we we'll say it's childish. Another child, you just gave her or him the biscuit, the one that gave the biscuit to you and I said, Give me. He said, no, I'm not giving you. You know that you are the one, I mean, and there's more where that one came from. he said, No, I'm not giving you. So that's extreme. That those are two extremes, and it's childish too fall into either of the two extremes. So the same thing with this issue of grace, God has forgiven us, uh, salvation, we've been saved, once saved, forever saved. Maybe I should even use this opportunity to, to deal with that. I think the issue about that once saved, forever saved thing is English language. And it's because English language is very limited in terms of expression. Very, very limited. Now, assuming, let me use uh, bank or financial terms. Nothing too technical. So if I write you a check,
0: so what I've done is I've written
1: you a check. Now, it's one thing for me to write you a check. It's another thing for you to go and withdraw that check, to go and cash the check. So imagine the process of writing the check and the process of withdrawing the check or paying the check into your accounts. Imagine if English language uses the same word for both of them, let's call it salvation.
0: Writing check is salvation.
1: Going to withdraw check is salvation. Whereas there are two different processes. So it is possible for, you to, for me to write you a check and you put the check underneath your pillow for the next three years, even to, to forever. It is possible for you to take that check and pay it in in two months' time or immediately or never pay it in. So English language calls the writing, God writing us a check English language calls it salvation. Now, when you go to the bank to withdraw that check, to cash the check, English language also calls it salvation. So when people are saying once saved, forever saved, in the context of writing check, they are right. Because Jesus is not going to die again. He's not coming back to die. He has died for the whole world, once and for all. The world has been saved once and for all. Writing of check. For God so loved the world, not those who believe in once and save forever saved. For God so loved the world, not those who were born in church. The world, including the people that you are praying that they should father and die, including Boko Haram, including ISIS, including your neighbor who is a witch, including, including the worst of the worst of the sinners for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that is salvation that whosoever believes in him that's another level that's withdrawing of the check whosoever believes in him will not perish that's the cashing of the check you have to believe in him so when someone is telling you that once saved forever saved that's the balance we are all saved jesus had died for us that salvation context that context of salvation of jesus coming to save the world from their sin is already settled once and for all the other part the other context of salvation whereby i come and boldly come boldly to his presence and obtain mercy, and obtain grace, and say, Jesus, as I confess you as my Lord. Jesus, take over my life. You are now my Lord and Savior. That is salvation, but that is not one said. That's That can be lost. That one can be lost. So, I hope that um, puts balance in this one said forever same thing. So, yes, God is a just God. Yes, Jesus had died for us. Uh, and I, I, like I said, I think about three or four weeks ago, about a month ago on this same Bible study, that God God had always been a gracious God. It is, it is people that have not uh, really studied the Bible. Maybe they just read New Testament. That think that grace started in the New Testament. Had always, God had always been gracious right from the Garden of Eden. He had always expressed his grace unto mankind right from the Garden of Eden, right from when man fell. So it is wrong to just say Old Testament law, New Testament grace, and even though the Old Testament, there were five disp- four dispensations in the Old Testament, but let's go into that. Uh, there are four dispensations in the Old Testament, and the fifth one is the dispensation of what we call dispensation of grace, New Testament. But people just lump the Old Testament into one dispensation, uh, and that's lack of study anyways. So let's go into the uh, discussion. Uh, There are questions also, uh, there are questions in the manual. So please get ready to answer the questions, everybody. The book contains a series of different prophecies against Assyria, especially its capital, Nineveh. Each of the three chapters of the book has a prophetic revelation. Okay, uh, maybe, okay, let me just say, I forgot something in the book of Micah. You know, the way this guy, Micah uh, 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 gave his prophecies. He used the name of the cities or the towns and villages to coin out the prophecy that will happen to them. For instance, oh, I'm trying to look at, I will say it in Yoruba. I hope all of us are Yorubas. and I'll try and, and interpret in English. Um okay, for instance, let's say, let's say it was talking in the Nigerian context, uh, and it will say, Ijebu destruction, my journey, Like ijebu means uh literally means the like ibu is water or a large body of water. Ijebu means the uh, to be consumed by water, so he, he will now contextualize and say Ijebu. Uh, the, the, the judgment of God will consume you. With my Jenny it goes to another one, uh, maybe Ibadon, you know something like that. He, he was using the names of the cities to to point out the prophecies. And uh, that just for them not to forget. Uh, so uh, looking at uh, Nahum here just brought my memory into that. So chapter one focuses on a clear and bold description of God's character as a righteous judge. Uh, we we'll get to the book of Revelation, but Revelation actually talks about even even uh, uh, the angel in charge of water bodies, which in my own context I feel is the is what some people call. Queen of the Coast, Yemoja, Mamiwata, at Revelation was praising God that his judgment adjusts when God was rocking all those havocs on the people that are left behind on earth. So chapter one focuses on God being the righteous judge and more so is wrath, justified anger and judgment, which guarantee judgment of the wicked. The verdict is clear. Nineveh is certain to receive doom of God's judgments. Chapter two predicts Nineveh approaching judgment, and describes in descriptive language what the destruction would look like. And then chapter three highlights a brief Nineveh's offences. Highlights in brief Nineveh's offences against God and declares that God is justified to bring complete judgment and destruction on the city of Nineveh mercy unheeded finally brings judgment Hmm. mercy unheeded finally brings judgment when you are saying grace 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 mercy 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 when is the mercy is being poured out and poured out and we don't we don't accept we don't embrace it it leads to judgments Nahum reminds us of the essential character of God whose story is told in the Bible, a God of goodness and salvation, as well as of justice and judgment standing side by side in a way that is finally exhibited in the name of death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Praise the Lord. Okay. Um, Let's, let's, let's read some scriptures. Uh, I hope some of us are with our Bibles, you're in a place, uh, you're home already. Uh, Sophia, if you have your Bible, please help us read uh, Nahum chapter 1 from verse 1 to 6. Because we're now to look at how would you describe God as a judge from Nahum chapter 1, verse 1 to 6. Sophia, can you help us read? Are you with your Bible or who else is with their Bible? Sam, please prepare to read nahum chapter 1 verse 8 to 10 and then verse 14
0: sophia are you ready for us oh who is there who can help us read chapter 1 verse 1 to 6 if you're speaking you're muted or mute yourself hello anybody there
1: yes i can hear you sir i can hear you but okay. is much here okay okay <laughs> oh is everybody on the on uh, at least i know that abuja people are not inside traffic so is lagos people that will still be inside traffic
3: yeah, i'm trying to um read okay go ahead now Na- now Na- chapter 1 this is what sir 1 to 6 one to six, I'm reading from ASV. Okay. The burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Naum the El Kushite. Jehovah is a jealous God and avenged. Jehovah avenged and is full of wrath.
0: Mm-hmm. Jehovah
3: taketh vengeance on his adversaries and reserved wrath for his enemies. Jehovah mm-hmm. is slow in anger and in power, and will no the guilty. Jehovah is with the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebuked the sea and maketh it dry, and dried up all the rivers. Bashan languisheth, and Camel, and the flower of Lebanon languisheth. The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is upheaved at his presence. Hear the word and all that stand before his indignation, and who can abide in in the fairness of his anger his wrath is poured out like a fire and the rocks are broken asunder by him
1: so how do how would we describe god as a judge from these things that we've read how would we describe
0: god as a judge who is going Yeah, yeah, let's discuss. It's supposed to be a discussion.
3: Oh, oh, like Keith like said, sir, that judgment is uh, giving someone what they deserve. Uh, if he, he avenges and is full of wrath, take vengeance on his adversaries, you are his adversary, this is what you deserve, you get what you deserve. He reserves wrath for doing this. That is what they deserve. If, if um, for any reason is going to show mercy, that should be what um, they don't deserve. But if he's as, as a judge, uh, if he's going to judge rightly for anyone that goes to uh, that is that is meeting, uh, for example, the C J N that was uh, inducted today. If you are if you have killed, the right um, judgment is what you should be killed. So God, as a judge, is only melting out um, what. Um, what um, someone deserves, he gives them by, by the same measure. Okay,
1: thank you very much.
3: So, uh, let me just go to question
1: five, because of time. So, what do you think, in your, in any other person, it doesn't have to be Jerry now, in your own view, what do you think God can do with a defiant and rebellious nation like Nineveh? Remember the sin. we talked about it last week when we were treating Jonah. Uh, they. they they were not just. If I were talking about it, also when we're doing Obadiah, uh, they didn't just uh, 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 take the Israelites as as, as, as uh, into captivity. They were smashing their newborns, their young children against the rock. The Edomites too were clapping for them. They were hailing them. Do it. You know, it was they they tore open the the, the 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 stomach of pregnant women like it's it was it was. Terrible. It was it was they forced the children of Israel to intermarry, to do everything that God said they should not do, they forced them to eat the all the defiled meat that God said they should not eat. And they did a number of very horrible things. So how do you think God, in your own view, what do you think God can do with such a
0: nation? Anybody? Um, good evening. Sir. Yeah, good evening. Um, from, from my view and from what we have heard, I think with such an atrocity committed, they deserve every bit of her, you know? war and pestilence, Oh
1: uh, are of things, you know, the happy. noise, the noise in your background is uh, is overshadowing what you are saying. Uh, we're finding it difficult to get your uh, words out. Any other person, what do you, what do we feel um, God should have done? Or how do you feel God should handle the case of Nineveh? Any other person?
3: Uh, OK, uh, nobody can. Although nobody can take say, take God's place, okay. maybe the question would have been, what, what should I have done as a person? Okay. Yeah. Rather than, what would God have done? Because so, uh, I can't. Uh, OK, if I, as a person, uh, you know, uh, someone has done bad. They have tried to send someone to them like what um, the New Testament says, look for somebody that they say, talk to the person, blah, 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 blah. And you have called Jonah, Jonah has warned them, blah, blah, If for any reason, they still go back to their, uh, they, 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 they should meet the judgment that they deserve. Mm. It, um, it is not on, most often time we think um, God is waiting at a corner to punish. Mm. No, but the thing is that we are all, we are receiving, we are receiving, um. The results of our uh, of our uh, of our of whatever evil that we have committed. So it is not it is a resultant effect. It is not just God waiting that oh yeah, artificial oh, artificial oh, like mm. last man. God is not last man. Yeah, God is waiting to uh, yeah. Sorry one one. oh yeah. No God is not like that. You you just receive the um, result of your punishment. Mm.
1: Mm. I, I'm looking for uh, somewhere in Proverbs where the Bible says. Uh people blame God. Uh, please help me look for, his, for for their activities or something like that. People, people do, people take uh, or, or they 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 do something and then they blame it on God. It, and whereas, is it this one? Yes, yes. Uh Proverbs 19, I think 19.3. Yes, Proverbs 19.3. Some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions and then blame the Lord. This is what this version says, Proverbs nineteen three. Anybody, you read another version, because we, 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 we a number of times. Yes, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness, mm. and then are angry at God. Is that not what's happening in, to some of some of us or some people in our in our day and time? Like it is you are, now you go mess up, you are the one that, and you now start blaming God. The foolishness, or, uh, okay. Let me look. Okay, let, okay you read the LT, right? Yes, me yes, read re- the re-
2: re- 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 right? Re- okay, yes, yes, please. The foolishness, foolishness of a man twists his way, and it starts frets against the Lord. Hmm.
1: I'm looking for a more contemporary message. Do I have message here. Yeah, I don't have it here. Or oh, amplified. Anybody with
2: amplified message. Yes. I have message. Yes, please. People ruined their life by their own stupidity. Mm-hmm. So why does God always get blamed?
1: Mm. You understand? You now you go, you, you are the one that ruined your life with your own decision, and they end end up blaming God. So and God, they are they are. Uh, there are consequences of actions. That's the just side of God. Even though mercy will come in, the judgment will come in the short run, but in the long run, the mercy of the Lord will come in. So no matter what we've done, that's we should be careful what we do. Should be careful the kind of seeds we sow. Uh, okay, Second Peter. Thank you, Tola. 2 Peter 3, 10 to 17 tells us that the patience of God means salvation. Thank you uh, for your comment on Facebook. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, So, mercy of God definitely will overtake judgment, But that still doesn't mean that uh, the just God will not allow. Because he won't break his own uh, principles. God could have spoken us into salvation God could have spoken and declared us saved. I mean, I mean how did he create the world for out of nothing? He just called a lights and light appeared. So God could have just looked at me and said, saved, and you yeah, are in there, we are saved. But he would be breaking his own principle. So if God could not afford to break his own law or his own principle and could send his son to die, The same thing comes in the judgment side of God, but the balance is that the judgment doesn't say his his anger lasts for a moment, but his mercy is everlasting. Mercy catches up. May God's God's mercy be with us in Jesus' name. Any question before we wrap up? We're almost out of time. Let me just read the conclusion. Please raise your hand or mute yourself if we need to ask questions or make a comment or contribution. Conclusion, examining the happenings around us vis a vis Nahum's time, it is obvious as Nineveh sold, so she reaped. This is God's law. Nineveh had forfeited herself so that nothing could harm her, her fortified herself. Nineveh has fortified herself so that nothing could harm her. However, a mighty fortress was brought down by God. Let it be noted that the intention, the, the inventions of civilization are powerless against heaven's artilleries. The hmm. is a type of all nations that turn their backs on God in our day. Proud civilizations are staking everything up, everything upon strength of man's power and machines. And there is a terrible disregard of God. We see that Neve was overthrown because of her sin and that a great wealth and strength was not sufficient to save her. Often nations or man depend on might and power or energy of the flesh to survive. They forget that it is not by might not by power or by my strength, says the Lord of hosts. Any person or nation that deliberately finally rejects God, deliberately and finally and fatally elects, do beware of that. Now, we have so much people who, especially because of technology, um, just feel that there's no God. The richest man, is it the richest man now, or at least one of the richest men in, in the world, and one of the most influential. Influential people in the world came publicly to say he doesn't mind going to hell when he dies. It's now being fashionable to to talk against God. Hmm. There is another one. I mean, his company closed. I think four hundred million dollars last year, last year or this year in Nigeria. Who calls himself God? A colleague of mine and I were discussing it in the office today, and um, just like everybody who has spoken apostasy, who has spoken against God had died a very terrible death. They died young, they died unsung, and all the popularities, like the Beatles, the, the some musicians, some very popular influencers, all those, there, where are the Beatles now? Where is their song? Where are all those things? that made them look as if they were on top of the world. Where are they today? We can't, some of some people, some second generation may not even know them. So when a nation or a group of individuals start talking down on God, start thinking that they can replace God, hmm, you're electing your doom either as an individual as a company as a nation you know when technology and machine replaces some things uh what is god i mean who is god well, well, we don't need all those things i mean i can i can put some things on the device and get me these there are breakthroughs in medicine breakthroughs in pharmacy and breakthroughs in tech i mean so when people just start uh going against God or speaking against God, it is very, very dangerous. by electing your doom, if you are doing that, may God help us in Jesus' name. Do you have questions or contributions before we pray? I have a question, sir. Okay, go ahead. Um, let me just quickly ask it so that I can meet again. How do we have people that are angry against God? Mm-hmm. Maybe disappointments, you know, they put in their best. And most of these people are coming up to say there's no God have once. traces to Christianity. Or they were once devoted. Mm-hmm. Or they came out from a very religious homes. Maybe generationally their father were pastors or you know highly involved in the work of God. How do we help these people? Maybe they lost somebody at a tender age, maybe something happened to them. You know, they always, they we can point their anger against God to one thing that happened to them. So for me, it's a lot of, I know I've shared somebody with you before. So now it's getting back little by little, but then how do we go about this? Sometimes it can be really overwhelming when we hear their stories. How do we help them? Thank you very much. Uh, I don't have, I will be sincere, I don't have a, a straightforward answer or even an answer at all. But like we all say, let's keep praying for them. There's nothing prayers cannot do. I have I have a case on my hands as well. There's nothing prayers cannot do. That's the sincere truth. And then um I always pray to God. There's this song sung by, by Shola Linson. I'll say it in Europe, then quickly interpret it. That make me a good wonder. <laughs> uh, at the pastor's conference, uh, the president was 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 preaching at uh, you want? that will say, "Ah, and my and my children were for signs and wonders." Hey, do you know the meaning? The Isaiah that spoke it, that wrote that. Do you know? Do you know his children? His children were a sign for Israel. Sign. We, would, hey, we just claim things that they truly to be. They were a sign of you'll be divorced. I've forgotten the name, the meaning of their name. Sorry, I should have, I will have researched if I knew I was going to use this example. Or maybe, yeah, you you, you go into captivity. you go into captivity. That's in the meaning of, of the, the, the name of one of them. So as he's calling them, he's co- like, they are saying, and you, you, you'll be, you go into slavery and you name your child that because, God has said your children will be for (laughs) signs. May we not be negative signs, my brothers and sisters. May we not be. May we not be. Hmm. May we not be for negative signs. Some people are just uh, in that that mold. They're going to be as a sign and as a wonder. The wonder that Isaiah was talking about it's not a wonder of wow, it's a wonder of ah. ah. And, and, and everybody, you've seen pastors' children, you've seen people who, who were, who, I mean, and you just wondered, ah, ah. how did this person end up here? That was a wonder that the children of Isaiah were. There will, will not be negative wonders. And if there's anybody that is hurt, may God heal them and bring them back home. But I can tell you that God is not, is not happy at anybody being lost. He will send help. It is not that person's either anger or I mean, uh, stubbornness that like you say, I'm not coming, that will keep um and digging the hole like um it happened to pharaoh english wrongly translated that verse that and god hardened his hearts no the the correct translation from hebrew is that god strengthened his will the guy didn't want them to go before that was his choice god just strengthened that will So when people are going through stuff and God is sending help to them and because of their will, because of their self-will, they are rejecting it. You just need to pray for them that God should soften their will. So there's nothing prayers cannot do, I believe. Let's keep praying for them. And that path may be a wonder. They may end up at the end coming back to Christ and then the path they've they've taken be a wonder, another wonder to the world whatever part that God is asking us to that God is leading us or God has created us to play in his grand Master plan may, may we have the strength to play it may it not be may it not be a negative part may it not be too heavy negative part honestly if you study the prophets you'll be scared <laughs> you'll be scared but God will help us he said he can never he will never put more on us than we can bear God will help us in Jesus' name. I hope I was able to answer the question. Any other question Before we pray. Okay. Tola, it's good to see you. Uh, it's good to have you. Can you please close the meeting for us with a word of prayers?
4: Okay. Good to be here, sir. Good evening. Good evening. Okay. Our Lord and our God, we thank you. We bless your holy name. We give you the glory because you are God, and there is none like you. In good times and bad times, you are God. In every situation, we thank you because you are good. We thank you because the entrance of your word brings light and understanding to the simple. We give you the glory for this word that you have opened up to us tonight. We say be exalted, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lord, we pray, O oh God, that you will give us the grace. The grace of God to live up to your standard, to love you more, to love you more and more in the name of Jesus. Amen. We that Lord, we will not frustrate your grace upon our life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We will not take your grace for granted. And leave the part of truth in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And Lord, that you give us the grace to pass on, to pass on this legacy onto the generations to come, to teach them the truth of the Word of God and who God is really—that is a righteous Judge and a gracious God—in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Holy uh, Spirit. Give it the Jesus' name. Amen. God
1: bless you. Thank you very much. Uh, for those in Abuja, we we'll meet on Saturday for evangelism, 8 o'clock in church. And then on Sunday, our uh, service starts 8 o'clock. We're closing the service on time because it's a zonal uh, inauguration. We have to get to our zonal headquarters on time. So please get to church on time. God will bless you in Jesus' name.
2: Amen. Have a
1: wonderful, wonderful evening. All right. And Lagos people, get home on
0: time. Amen.
1: We are home.
3: We are home. Ah,
1: okay. you, you are
0: home. You are
3: home. <laughs> Stop saying Lagos people, guy.